welcome to the Hoyt Bowhunting Podcast. My name is Evan Williams. I'm your pro staff manager. We have a little change up on this episode. I will be your host. And our topic today is going to be decoying deer from the ground. And the reason I'll be your host is that our normal host, Mr. Danny Ferris, happens to be an expert in this field. Danny, you have recently purchased a decoy company. Tell us a little bit about that. And uh, how did you get involved into decoying deer in general? Well, it's funny. We were just talking about this a little bit with Bill Winky the other day on this podcast. But um, I'm a decoy geek, man. And I have been for a long time. Um, there's something about seeing a buck especially when you're using a buck decoy and seeing a buck pin his ears back and blow himself up like a gorilla and start stomping into you and and shooting him when they're in that frame of mind and when they're acting like that um and something about fooling them that just really charges me up so there's been a lot of times where you know dating back to my early days of bow hunting where I'm running decoys when it might not necessarily be uh, the best tactic to use in that particular situation, just because like the, you know, it's such a big thrill for me. And, you know, I've, uh, I've been decoying, you know, using 3d decoys out of a, out of a tree stand for a very long time. Um, but I, I didn't really start, using bow mounted decoys um until 2016 and that was because in 2015 i was on a hunt in western kansas and i had a spot and stock opportunity on the biggest whitetail of my life and it just so happens that our other guest that's on the on the call with us right now on the podcast my buddy matt palmquist who lives in western kansas he was not far away and actually came over and helped me kind of try and deal with the situation after this. But I hit and lost the biggest whitetail of my life, life spotting and stalking in open terrain. And um, it was a massive heartbreaker. And after that happened to me, um, I just kind of I, I got to thinking over the next year that, man, I need to come up with a different strategy for hunting specifically whitetails in open terrain, because even though I'd had some pretty spectacular spot and spot and stock successes on whitetails before, I've also had a couple of different times when things just didn't go right. And I started thinking, man, with them, just because they are so twitchy, um, I need to come up with some different strategies to either take their attention off of me or bring them to me so that I'm not thrust into that situation where I've got to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to close the gap and I don't have anything to hide behind and I'm drawing a bow and hoping that this thing doesn't jump the string. I want them more relaxed at the shot. So long story short, in, in 2017, I came across this new decoy called the Stalker Decoy from a company called Ultimate Predator Gear. And, um, 
I, I take, I took one look at it and I was like, man, this looks exactly like I had been taking Montana decoys and cutting, cutting them up and mounting them to my bow for several years. And when I saw this, I was like, man, that's, that looks like one of these decoys that I've kind of made for myself. That's, you know, if I had one of these, this would be perfect for what I'm trying to do, hunting whitetails in open terrain. And I ended up developing this strategy where I was using a 3D buck decoy out in front of me and then just sitting, oh, 10, 15 yards away from that 3D buck in the grass with very little cover um, with that bow mounted stalker decoy on my bow. And the very first time that I tried it, I end up having a 160 inch buck come in to my setup and he saw me sitting over in the grass he saw that buck you could almost tell in his body language that he was like oh no he's got a doe pin down right here in front of me and that we aren't having that and he pins his ears back and he comes stomping into that 3d buck decoy and when i went to draw on him he's 12 yards from me in the wide open i have absolutely no cover between him other than that bow mounted stalker decoy and um, I draw on him right in his face and he didn't even look at me and I shot him and he, he runs off and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, my mind is blown by what just happened. I'd never had anything like that happen with a whitetail in that close of proximity on the ground before, or been able to get away with that kind of movement. Well, it just so happened we were filming that hunt for an episode of, of North American whitetail television. And I got up from where I was sitting and I had a cameraman right behind me. So it wasn't just me. It was me and a cameraman. And I walked down and I pick up the arrow that I just sent through this deer and I come walking back over and I kneel down and I'm, um, looking at this, at this bloody arrow. And my cameraman says, there's another buck right behind you. And I look over my shoulder and sure enough, 70 yards behind me, 70 yards or so behind me is another mature buck that is standing there staring at me. Well, now I'm in a position where I've got to, my bow is laying on the ground over here in my little seat where I had been sitting down in the grass is in front of me. I have to basically stand up, step around that stuff, several steps, a couple of yards, sit down, pick my bow off the ground and put that stalker decoy, that bow-mounted decoy, in between us. So now, all of a sudden, he's like, he saw something that he didn't like there, but now there's a doe sitting there staring at him. And he probably stood there and stared at us for a good five minutes. And after about that time, I, you know, I started moving the decoy a little bit. I'd reach up and I'd flick its ear at him. And you could see him, like, trying to figure out what the heck was that that I saw. But he saw, he'd seen my whole body. Um, well, after standing there and staring at it for a few minutes, he starts licking his lips. And the next thing you know, here he comes. Well, that deer ends up coming into four yards in front of me and that cameraman. And I could have, I could have shot him multiple times over and over again. And this is after he'd seen my entire body. He eventually gets right up on the on the 3d buck decoy that i have out in front of me and he, he it wasn't like he smelled something that spooked him but he didn't smell what he was expecting to smell and he ends up running off like 15 yards and 
he, he stood there for another five minutes doing circles. I, I could have shot him so many times. It's ridiculous, but I already had one that was, you know, dead on the ground somewhere. So it was kind of cool that I'd already filled my tag because I was able to let that buck come in and experiment and see exactly what I could get away with, with this, with this, uh, bow mounted decoy. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing when i when that deer finally wandered off it was a light bulb that went off in my head like this there is something to this more so than just a a way to hunt them out in the open ground i could not believe what i just got away with with two different bucks right in my lap and the next year uh two years later that company ultimate predator gear came up for sale and when i heard that it had come up for sale um i was like man i uh this is an opportunity i might need to take advantage of and and i did found a way to get it done and uh and have been selling those decoys for um over a year now and and uh have been using them for four years now and am still every year just blown away with new things that i'm doing with them yeah wow what an incredible experience now matt we've known each other for a while and you've taken more big deer than ehd um you know we've had quite a few conversations and even had the opportunity back in 2014 where we were messaging back and forth and you took a mid-130s buck the same night within like three minutes of me taking a mid-130s um, I think you snuck in while they were fighting with a decoy on. Um, and I did the same thing. I had one that was chasing some does and managed to slip in. When did you start getting introduced to bow mounted decoys? Um, and especially being in Western Kansas and, and how have you, how have you used those, um, as a tool in your system? Yeah, Evan, that, that was a crazy hunt there where they were, they were fighting and I, I pretty much snuck, there wasn't much sneaking. They were preoccupied and, (laughs) and got right in on them. It was pretty wild. So something I can, I can check off the list of having done, but, um, it was probably a year or two before that, that I started using, uh, bow mounted decoys and, and I, I've been pretty lucky and shot some big deer. I think you're a, a little bit of a stretch there with your comment, but, but, uh, but I have been pretty blessed, pretty lucky. Um, and, and, you know, I had experiences on those hunts where I killed some good deer that I, I didn't even realize how effective a decoy would have been. I think it was probably 2011 or so um, when I finally got my hands on a decoy and, and started using them. And to be perfectly honest, I was seeing some other guys, some friends and local acquaintances having some success. And I was like, man, I got to do this. I got to try this. I'm, I'm missing the boat here. And so I started, started using them and the light bulb just went off. I mean, what, what you can get away with, with that decoy is, is flat out unbelievable. When you first got into it, were you, were you mainly targeting mule deer or were you targeting whitetail? Yeah, it was it was more mule deer than whitetail was was my initial experience, and you know a little bit different situation than you think of rutting mule deer hunting, and and that's something that we probably you know it goes without saying, but a lot of the experience and some of the just 
flat out unbelievable experiences are definitely happening during the rut. And so, you know, I really, I get lucky to find bucks that were just cruising, looking for does. And when, yeah. when you think of rutting, rutting mule deer, you think of them being with big herds of does usually, and it can still work in those situations. And, and maybe we'll talk about that here in a bit, but when you find a buck that's cruising by himself, it's just, it's just deadly. I mean, I, I think I'm going to get a shot at every deer I see if I want to. And, mm-hmm. and once I realized that and started just being very aggressive with the decoy, it, it was a game changer. Yeah. Now, Danny, you had mentioned being on the ground and using a 3d buck decoy with yeah. a bow mounted doe. Matt, you are using more just the straight bow mount decoy. What are you running between buck and doe? Where, where are you seeing more aggression with those animals? Well, for, I'll focus on mule deer for a second. For, for mule deer, my experience is, is with the doe. And I'm not saying they're being aggressive. I'm saying I'm being aggressive in that I want that deer to see me. Like, you almost have to stand up and do jumping jacks at times when they're in like what I call rut drunk, basically. They're Search just, mode. Uh, yeah. They're on a mission and they're, their nose is to the ground and they're just kind of swaggering along. And I mean, either I I'll have the doe mounted on, on the bow, like you're talking, or honestly, we've done a lot of uh, partner hunting where one guy's running the decoy and the other guy's right on his, right on his hip. And I mean, there's been multiple instances where we just went right at the deer until it finally noticed us and then slowed our approach, you know, got smart about it, used some common sense. And if they would ignore us, we'd go at them harder until eventually they just were like, yeah, I got to see what that does doing. And they, I mean, I had them walk into 15 yards or less. So, yeah. so my experience on, on muleys has been best with the doe, but whitetails is completely the opposite in my opinion. They, you know, not that they're not interested in the dose because obviously they are, but what Danny is, has proven to be so effective is, is the confrontation, you know, they're focused on that, that buck. And so you're, you're really trying to trigger a fight in that situation. Well, and, and my experience, even with muleys, it has been a little bit different, not, not big. So if if a, if I see a buck that is cruising like Matt's talking about by himself, obviously searching for a doe, that's I'm going to show him a doe. I'm going to peel the horns off of my decoy, my bow mounted decoy, and I'm going to show him a doe decoy. And 90% of the time they are going to come. However, um, the last two years in a row, I've taken my second and third biggest mule deer that I've ever taken both using a buck bow mounted decoy and the first one that i took last year uh he was bedded down with three does and it was december 1st the mule deer rut was in full swing here in colorado and he was he was pushing those three does around when i saw him that morning and the three of them bedded down and there was an embankment that i was going to be able to use as cover to get up closer to him and when i came over that embankment on him I wanted to have a buck on my bow because in the experience that I've had, when they do have bows with them, if you've got a big buck that has a group of does and maybe one of those does or a couple of those does in his little harem are hot, 
when I show him a doe decoy from a, from a uh, uh, hundred yards away or something like that, he doesn't usually care. He just ignores her over there because he's got a hot doe in front of him. He's got a doe bedded down around him um, that is hot. If I show him a buck decoy, it's a different reaction. So when I came over the hill on that buck and I showed him the buck decoy, he stood up out of his bed at 60 yards and I came oh so close to shooting him, trying the shot at 60 yards. But I, just reading his body language while I was trying to aim the pin, I could tell he wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know, why don't you just calm down, let down, see what he does. So I let the bow down with him staring right at me and he stood there for probably another 30 seconds and he starts licking his lips. And whenever you see them start licking their lips, it's like they're thinking about the, the that's a good sign. They're, they're tr- kind of, I don't know what it is. Uh, testing the air just a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and, and what he did was he pinned his ears back and he comes in and he, he stopped again at 35 yards. Well, this is my second biggest mule deer I've ever shot. I didn't have the patience to see if he'd come, you know, closer than that or not. You know, when he stopped again at 35 yards, I drew back and I shot him. Um, so that's one situation where I prefer to use a buck on a mule deer versus the doe. And I think Matt's mainly talking about when they're cruising, a buck cruising by himself, showing them a doe. And I agree a hundred percent, but then the, the buck that I just shot last week, which is probably my third biggest mule deer. Um, he, uh, he was bedded down all by himself. And this is definitely pre-rut here, here in Colorado. They're not they're not in it at all just yet. Matter of fact, when I first saw him that morning, he was running with another buck. So, um, a lot of times, you know, in this earlier season, the only other deer that they are around are other bucks. They're bachelored. So when, when I came in on him, I showed him a buck decoy and I was 25 yards away from him when he spotted me and he was in his bed. And as soon as I could tell that he spotted me because his rack swung around and faced my direction, I drew my bow expecting him to stand up. Well, he didn't stand up. He laid there. He was staring. He, he was just looking at another buck. And I eventually had to let down and I start doing sidesteps to try and see if I can get an angle on his body and potentially shoot him while he's in his bed. Um, but he, ne- you know, he wasn't standing up. I did almost 90 degrees of the circle around him and was just about to take a shot at him in his bed when he finally stood up out of his bed at 25 yards. And once again, I draw with him looking directly at me and I shot him at 25 yards. Um, and that was, that was with a buck decoy. It probably would have worked just as well with a doe. But my thought is he was running with a buck that morning they're still in that bachelor mode. And so I was going to show him one of the other deer that he most, that he would likely be running around with. Cause right now they're, you know, they're, they're, there's very few of them showing any interest in does yet. The mule deer anyway. So that's, yeah. And I, go ahead, man. Go ahead, Danny. I'm sorry. No, I was, I, I think that, 
I think that's a good good point, and I, I would agree to to some extent. You know, when they're with those, definitely the buck's going to be your your better better option. I think on mule deer, but from my experience, when it when it comes to mule deer and doing this. I think either one works effectively as well in, in most situations, not every situation, but most situations while, while on the whitetail side of things for me, I'm not saying a doe won't work cause it, it could, but a buck is always the, the option I'm going to grab almost 95% of the time I'm going to grab a buck decoy just because, uh, that's, you know, a whitetail buck is more aggressive in my experience than mule deer are. And so, they like that confrontation they're going to, they're going to come towards, but I wanted, before we moved on, I, I wanted to point out that you hit on a couple things that guys really need to, to think about when they start doing this and, and your story about your, your first encounter where you shot the buck and then the other buck came in really showcases it well. And then, um, your buck last year as well. And, and that, that simply is you have way more time than you think you do. You know, we're, we're just, our minds are ingrained that we got to get this arrow away fast. But when you're using that decoy, they have accepted you as another deer. And, you know, your experience, Danny, where that deer walked into four yards and you could have shot him 25 different times. And if you nailed it, if you would have had a tag in your pocket and hadn't already shot a buck, you would have shot him way before that. Absolutely. But, but we flat out, we have way more time. I'll tell an uh, example, a buddy and I, and it kind of goes back to your buck this year, similar situation. We had a buck we wanted to kill and he was with two other bucks. It was mid October to, I don't know, third week, October. And, you know, we kind of ran out of cover and we had a doe decoy that time, showed the decoy, one of the smaller bucks, not the target buck, just looked at us, stared at us. We sit there for five, 10 minutes. He never even stood up, didn't care. And I basically turned to my buddy and I was like, well, what do we got to lose? So we just started crawling, two of us behind one decoy, and we'd cover 10 or 15 yards. This was probably from 150 yards. We did that in plain sight of that buck all the way to 40 yards. Mm -hmm. And he never, ever stood up. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Just kept watching us. He didn't care. He accepted us as another deer. deer. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so we get there. Well, he finally stood up and then the big buck hadn't seen us that whole time. So he was a little bit caught off guard, but not really. He stood up, but we thought he was off guard and he ended up coming through the weeds and my buddy, he just shot fairly quick. I mean, it's not like he rushed, rushed the shot, but in hindsight, that deer would have walked to 20 yards. Yeah. He, he was not spooked at all, but we, we thought he was going to be spooked and, and we just rushed a shot and, and we, he missed low, but it was just amazing that we were able to do that for one. And then for two, if we would have just been patient, he would, uh, honestly, he would have walked into chip shot range. I, I'm confident. So it's, a, it's just amazing what you can get away with once they have accepted you as, as another deer. And most of the time they do. And what you're, what you're saying there, I mean, that people need to realize that is extremely valuable. So when I was just talking about that muley that I shot last year that I came over the hill on, he had three does bedded with him and he stood up at 60 yards and I drew and was getting ready to shoot. It was because everything inside me, 35 years of bow hunting experience is telling me, Oh God, he sees you shoot him. You know what I mean? And 
because I had been using the decoy for several years and seen several instances and knew that, you know, they aren't necessarily going to spook when they see you just because he stands up doesn't mean that he's not sold on it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. still that instinct was to draw and put the pin on him and get that arrow away. And I had to take a deep breath and just say, Danny, just watch him for a second. See what he does. You might not need to shoot 60 yards at this buck. And sure sure enough, I let down and, you know, he cuts the distance almost in half. Oh, oh don't get me wrong. I talk a big game. But <laughs> in the heat of the moment, it, it's, it's way easier said than done. I mean, you, you, your instinct is that this deer is going to spook. I got to kill him. And and to get yourself to do what I was describing and what you just described, it, it almost has to be a deer that, Oh, if I kill him, great. If I don't, oh, well, where you, where you just don't have that urgency of a deer that you just, you know, it's your dream buck kind of deal. Right. So, or some you know, time doing it. When I'm talking, I'm talking to myself self, as much as I am to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that a little bit of experience, having it happen to you a couple of times is what gives you the courage to do that. Because actually that buck, that buck grows just over 200 inches he was a buck i wanted to shoot really bad you know what i mean so i it it wasn't easy for me to let down but it was the experience of using the decoy before and seeing that happen over and over again that it gave me the courage to go ahead and give it a little bit of more time and be patient and you mentioned again going back to the the dual decoy system yeah um versus just a bow mounted system yeah seems less convenient when it comes to the mobility oh yeah so definitely i i I definitely found myself targeting mule deer more um especially out in western kansas because of the mobility i'm allowed to have and and what a bow mounted decoy gives me and using a 3d decoy is nothing new to the industry but everybody's doing it on whitetails out of a tree stand you're doing it on the ground how are you positioning your setup what kind of calls are you doing are you when you're talking about trying to get those cruisers to see you if they're on another ridge line or if they're down in a draw how are you getting their attention or hoping that they're seeing you well they're they're you're your decoy setup. you're definitely limited on your mobility when you're going with with that strategy and um you know first off let me say it can be done with just the bow mounted decoy for sure um like you don't you don't have to go to that other strategy i just like that strategy because in my experience with it when a buck sees it and makes the decision that he's going to come in and approach it he sees that doe you lay you know with your bow mounted decoy the doe sitting there in the grass and he sees this buck standing 10 yards away from her and he assumes that that buck has a hot doe pinned down in the grass and what i like about it is that when he comes into that 3d buck number one that 3d buck is visible from a long ways away you don't have to do jumping jacks like matt is talking about i you're asking about positioning i put that buck in the most visible position that I can, wherever I think that the deer are going to be cruising, um, whether it's, you know, uh, a brushy bottom, 
or a fence row or wide open cornfield or anything like that, I'm going to position that buck to where the most bucks that it possibly could will, will be able to see him. And then I'll sit there just a few yards away and I'll always have, you know, my rattling antlers and a grunt call. And generally the rattling antlers are for getting a deer's, uh, attention from a distance. And, you know, if I see one that's, that's cruising a ridge top across the way or something like that, I've gotten their attention from as far as four or 500 yards away, depending upon how quiet it is. And just banging those antlers together and they turn around, they see that 3d buck decoy. And when they make that commitment and they break into that, say 60 or 70 yard range and they're closing, they see that doe laying in the grass. But when they approach that setup, they are 100% focused on that buck. It's like they write that doe off. Like I'll deal with you after I'm done dealing with the guy with knives on his head. You know what I mean? They're like a boxer in a ring. And what I love about it is that they'll come in and they're right in your lap and they're posturing up, either getting ready to hit that 3D decoy or, some, you know, depending upon how aggressive the buck is, he might freeze up 10, 15, 20 yards away from that decoy and stand there and make a scrape in the ground. Or if there's any brush, he might start raking it with his antlers or something. And all of those things are just designed to posture and intimidate that buck that's standing there over the doe. But what he always does is he ignores that doe over there. So when I go to draw, if that doe makes a little bit of movement, if that doe makes a little bit of noise, he doesn't care. He's expecting a little bit of that from her. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so it, it, what's been awesome about it is just that I'm, I'm able to do whatever I want over there and, and draw my bow, regardless whether he can see me or not draw and let down if I need to. Um, so that's one of the coolest things about it. I'll, I'll chime in there too. Um, you know, I, I've been joking around that Danny comes into my backyard and kills these big bucks every year. So I'm stealing the uh, page out of Ferris's book and going to be doing the same thing, I think, this year. So, <laughs> but the, the difference, the the difference here is that he is is targeting cruising whitetails, basically. But what are we limited with in in the Plains states and Western Kansas, Eastern Colorado? Trees. Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the tree stand guys, you know, they, they come out here to hunt and they're like, what am I going to do? There's no trees. Well, Danny, you know, kudos to you because you figured out a way you can set up anywhere you want. Yeah. You look for a setup and, and it, it's going to work. The difference between that, you, you want as many deer as possible to see, like Danny's already stated, Versus like a bow mounted, if you're just running gunning like you were talking about, Evan, and, and like I'm more familiar with doing is, you know, we're essentially looking for that buck that's already with a doe. We're, we're the buck that's coming in to challenge Danny right. essentially in his setup. And so it's just a different mentality. So we're, we're looking for that situation with the, with the doe already locked down. And then we're going to come in and get as close as possible and try to challenge with just a bow mount, a decoy and both are equally exciting. Yeah. Um, is what it boils down to. Yeah. And it, you know, if whether I'm sitting on the ground 
there with that three with that 3d buck if you get a whitetail buck that's chasing a hot doe and he comes over the hill and he sees that 3d buck standing over you and you're a hot doe he's going to do the same thing that he does when he sees that situation and you're in a tree stand he runs right by it because he doesn't give two squirts he's got a hot doe right in front of him but the beauty about these bow mounted decoys is if you see that situation where either a buck is chasing a doe around out in the field or you see them pin her down in a weed patch, in a fence row, in a little thicket, wherever it is, if you see that situation, you can take that bow mounted decoy and slap a pair of antlers on it and move in on that buck. And uh, uh, truth be told, I don't care whether you're in the Plain States or whether you're in the Midwest, whether you're in the East, the South, that buck, when he's got a doe pin down like that, is that is one of his most vulnerable moments. And if you are sitting in a tree stand and you see that situation and it's a couple hundred yards out in front of you and all of us have, every single one of us has seen that situation. And what do you usually do? That's exactly what I was just going to say. You, you sit there and you rattle your horns and you grunt and you, and he ignores you. And then you start praying, God, please let that doe get up and run my direction. Well, 90% of the time, she does not. And I would say 90% of the time for me personally, that's the last time that I see that buck. Because it's the rut. He could be three miles away the next day. Um, if it was, it, it, my point is, if you can get out of your stand or your blind or wherever you're set up without being detected, and you've got a bow-mounted decoy that you can put on your bow, specifically a buck decoy, you just sneak in and, you know, I don't know what Matt style is, but when I approach that situation, I'm not trying to go all the way in on him and that doe because I risk spooking one of those two deer before I actually get a shot at the buck. What I'm trying to do is just get up close enough to where I'm within bow range and within earshot of that buck, and then I'll jump on a grunt call. And typically what happens is when that buck all of a sudden hears a, a, a grunt very close to him and he stands up and he looks over and his eyes confirm what his ears just heard, he usually immediately pins his ears back and even if he doesn't come all the way to you to actually try and fight he's at the very least going to approach your direction and posture and try and intimidate you to let you know to back off is that your experience matt yeah i think you know spot on i i'm not i'm not saying try to get into 20 yards on the on the the pair, you know, just get into his inside his comfort zone. Yes. Some bucks that's way farther than others. I mean, some, some, you could probably challenge them at 75 to a hundred yards. And, and if they can hear you, assuming it's not super windy, they're getting up and they're coming. Yeah. They're going to whoop your butt because you're trying to take their, their woman away. Right. Yep. And, but, but there might be another buck that will stay bedded and you just have to keep inching closer and closer until you finally, get in his comfort zone and he's had enough. I mean, that, that yardage is going to vary all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but very rarely am I talking about trying to get right on top of him. Yeah. So, yep. Um, but it, and, and Danny, I love you. I love you talking about like physically leaving your tree stand or your blind and going after these animals. Because again, you know, we've all heard the lockdown phase. Well, that's, 
essentially that's when the the most of your does are in peak estrus. Yep. And those mature bucks got them. They don't take for the most part, again, where I'm hunting, they're not taking them into a big hardwoods bedding area where there's a lot of bucks running around. They're pushing those does out into open fields and grass areas where they can see a long way because they're protecting. Well, they're, they're looking for isolation. They yeah, and, and there's been multiple times when a, a bow-mounted decoy, because of its size and its compact nature, I've always got one in my backpack even in the very, very rare chance, the guys that know me when I am in a tree, you know, I'm up there as an opportunistic hunter. If I happen to get an opportunity right there, great. But honestly, what I'm doing most of the time, because of where I'm hunting and how open it is, and again, like massive, there's not a lot of trees out where we're at, is I'm finding a good observation tree where I can look at deer movement and possibly catch one of those bucks out in a you know a cut corner or a cut mile field or a crp grass field and all i'm looking for is tines and maybe an ear flick and i'm getting down popping that bow mount decoy on and i'm heading in on well first let me qualify one thing that you were just talking about there's there's a couple different scenarios here if i'm if i live in missouri or Illinois, or Kentucky, somewhere like that, and I've got my home turf that I'm hunting, and I see my target buck out there. You know, if I if I if I'm going to be hunting this thing early season, rut, and then late season, I'm not necessarily going to jump out of my tree stand and go out running out on the ground after my target buck. If I've got ample time to hunt him. I might wait for him and be patient, wait for him to make a mistake and walk by my tree stand, and try and kill him. Um, that is not usually the situation that I'm in. That's not the situation most hunters are in. I usually am in a situation right. when I'm hunting where I've got a limited time to hunt or, you know, I've, some guys have taken their week of vacation and this is the week that they've chosen to hunt and they might get out a few weekends here and there afterwards. But when you have a situation like that happen in front of you and you've got limited time, you've got to be able to take advantage and capitalize on that situation. That's when I'm really getting aggressive and going after them on the ground with that. And, and the thing is, we keep talking about open country and open terrain. Well, that's just where we live and where we hunt. Most of this country doesn't hunt in that type of terrain. They're, they're hunting either hardwood bottoms or, you know, a, a big array of things. But you're right. It does not matter what where you're hunting. Most of the time when a buck, when a whitetail buck has a hot doe, he is trying to isolate her. He's trying to move her away from most of the deer traffic is. And he's trying to pin her out in a position where he can have her by himself undisturbed for a couple of days. And a lot of times that means the open country it means fence rows it means things like that i guess my point is this tactic using a bow mounted decoy to get down out of your observation stand get out of your blind to get out of it you know get out of your position and go after him is every bit as effective in those areas as it is in the plain states i we we kind of all developed 
these strategies and and using bow mounted decoys and and decoying from the ground it originated in the plain states out of necessity because we're mm-hmm. we're hunting them in this open terrain and and like for me losing that giant whitetail in 2015 I, you know, I just decided, man, the whitetails are just so twitchy. I need to get them either more relaxed or the attention off me at the shot. And I developed this method of decoying from the ground to, to address them in those areas. But what I've discovered since is that when I go to Illinois or when I go to Iowa or when it's being used in, in Missouri, it works every bit as well. And, and there's, Especially when you throw the 3D buck into it. I've been using 3D bucks out of tree stands in those states for a very, very long time. Well, one of the biggest hindrances I've always had is finding that tree that is going to be positioned right for the wind and is going to offer a shot to my decoy and offer enough visibility of my decoy for me to have a good enough chance for a cruising buck to be able to see it. Well, as soon as I started doing this and contemplating what this would be like out in the Midwest or something like that, not just in the Plain States, the first time that I tried it, I realized, holy smokes, I can take my 3D buck decoy and I can basically put him anywhere I want in the most visible positions. It, rather than going on the edge of a cornfield and trying to figure out a tree that's going to give me the right the the right position and everything, if if I've got a little brush pile or something out there in the middle of the cornfield, I can go in the middle of the cornfield where every single buck can see that three D buck decoy. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just opened a complete different world of possibilities for me. It, it's uh, it, it, it's it it's amazing. Like I'll be going to Iowa this next week and hunting uh, a farm that's on a on a big bluff, and the whole hill on this bluff is covered with timber, and it comes down to a bottom, and that bottom is an ag field that is a uh, I believe it's cut corn, and it's a huge bottom. Well, any buck that's walking that bluffy hillside with all the timber on it can see out into that wide open field. Well, now rather than going down right on the edge of the trees and having to find a tree to get up in and put my decoy right on the edge of the trees where any of them bucks up on the hill can't really see it, I can literally take that 3D buck and stick him out in the middle of that cornfield. And and be, you know, I might have to pile up just a little bit of brush, enough to cover my lower body when I'm sitting there on the ground with this decoy in front of me. But now any buck that's cruising through all of that up there, you know, all of that timber up there on that hill overlooking that bottom, when they look out there and they're going to see two deer out there. And if they come to investigate, they're going to find out that one of them's a buck and he's got a doe pin down. You know, it's, it's just a... It's an outside of the box concept that opens up a ton of opportunity, a ton of opportunity. And it was all developed because, you know, where I was hunting in the, uh, in the plain States, I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough trees. There was, it it was completely wide open. Yeah, Danny, I, uh, I had to chuckle because right when you started, started on that, I was sitting here thinking that, 
all the diehard whitetail guys listening are rolling their eyes like, you guys know. are nuts. There's no way I'm getting yep. out of my tree stand and I'm going to blow this deer I've been hunting yeah. out. And, and I agree with what I agree with what you're saying about your target buck because I am that guy. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I don't want to blow him out of the area. I want to be super, super uh, low impact. I don't even want him knowing I'm hunting him. You know, I subscribe to all of that same stuff. But guess what? How many years comes December 31st when our season ends? I'm sitting here like, huh, I had some good encounters, but I never got a shot opportunity. Yeah. You know, I played it safe and I played it cautious. And so I think that even on your target buck, like Evan said, having that decoy in your pack, um, it isn't a bad deal, no matter where you are in the nation hunting whitetails, because every single one of us has seen those deer locked down. Danny, you said that, and that, that is spot on. Everybody I talk to has like, man, I see these monster bucks out with a doe in a field or, in, you know, wherever. And I'm always like, what, what can I do with them? There's nothing I can do. I mean, I hear that there all the time. There's nothing I can, you do. can do. Well, that's not yeah. true. And, and, exactly. and exactly. And so what's even worse than getting to the end of the season, Matt, and, and saying, oh man, I had these awesome encounters with him. I had him, you know, he was a hundred yards in front of me, had this doe pinned down for half the day in this weed patch. And I sat there looking at him and then they ran off. And then two days later, you find out the neighbor shot him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, yeah for it's sure. like, that's even more painful. Um, but well, and I guess to, to end, end that thought I had is, you know, sometimes during the rut, especially, and, and, you know, specifically during the rut, it's worth taking that risk. I mean, so what you bump him, he, you know, he's probably coming back to that area at some point, or a lot of times it's a buck you don't even know, but I, I'm specifically talking about the buck you're, you're yeah, hunting. Target. And another thing we've all, we've all heard is, somebody killing a giant buck doing something bold, like crawling out in a stubble field or whatever. And usually it's a kid that, that isn't very experienced. A lot of times it's like, well, what did I have to lose? I might as well do it. <laughs> exactly. He just, he was at that point. It's like, I got to take a chance. Like that's potentially the biggest deer I've ever seen and will ever get an opportunity. I, yeah, exactly. Something. And they, they went sometimes I feel like we're, like we give these animals a little bit too much credit. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that in most places that I hunt whitetails, they are used to having some sort of human activity around every now and again, whether it's a farmer driving down through the bottom in his truck, working on a tractor, going and fixing a fence, things like that. And I, I mean, they encounter these things a lot all the time and you know most times I, I i would say that it's different in the early season when they're on a a food pattern you know you definitely don't want to get down and and jack with them too hard you know the the three the two prime times for decoying period whether you're doing it from a tree or from the ground is pre-rut and during the rut and then post rut and and way early on feed on food patterns feeding patterns those are ambush opportunities there's ways to use possibly a bow mounted decoy 
before that ambush that might give you a little bit more time, but it's not an aggressive strategy where you're, you know, aggressively going after them. Because if you bump a buck at that phase, you might screw up his feed pattern. He might change that pattern and not follow the same thing for the next however many days. But when you start getting those hormones going and that testosterone going and they're searching for does, man, I find that most of the time when you bump one or or jack him up, he's completely over it within like 30 minutes because he's so focused on breeding. You know what I mean? He's not like leaving the area because the farmer walked out there to fix a fence. So why not get out there and try and kill him if you see him better with a doe? Go ahead, Evan. Yeah. And how many guys have talked to that? What do you, how, how do you use for cover sense? Diesel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like man i i just keep like a little two gallon can of diesel in my truck and i use that for cover scent because i'm hunting ag and they just took the corn out of this field two three four days ago you know you know most most farmers are running diesel that's just that's just the nature okay, of it. just so everyone knows that was evan williams that said that that was not danny <laughs> ferris's theory <laughs> Uh, I'm sitting here laughing my butt off thinking, man, talk about a true Western Kansas kid right there. Uh, He's using diesel cover set. That's great. I I have spoken to, I I will be honest, I have never done it. Um, (laughs) But I've I've been out there right after they've cut and had diesel fluid spilled on the ground. I've been like, man, I wonder if I put some of that on my boots if I go in with that. What's really funny is there's been so many times where I thought, how could I make a John Deere blind? How, you know, a a tractor blind. I can't believe nobody's done it yet. You know? Uh, Yeah, guilty. Well, I'm sure that you jumped into it. You jumped into a tractor. You know, I'm talking about a a commercially made John Deere tractor blind. Well, we left, we had the combine, it got, it got stuck and uh, we left it in there and we literally were sitting on the railing right next to the cab and brother and I both filled turkey tags <laughs> off the combine. That's so that's awesome. Whole, whole another story. But so, so one of the things, you know, we've been talking a lot about the ground attack mm-hmm. and the one thing I've been criticized for is oh you can't do that on public land you know i don't want to get shot this or that knowing that my favorite hunting especially going back to kansas my last what three three bucks have all been off public ground um even even highly pressured public ground what have you guys seen public versus private when it comes to that safety aspect like how how can a public land hunter have this bow mount decoy system and use it safely on those public land hunts, no matter where you're at, whether you're back east or in the Midwest? Well, uh, let me let me address this a little bit because our decoys have orange safety straps that you can run. And when you're hunting public ground, if you're at all concerned about others being in the area, and uh, uh, then you need to use them. Um, most of these are referred to as bow-mounted decoys. I know that some people use them uh, in other seasons. It's not what's recommended. Um, 
I have always told people when they've addressed me asking about safety concerns, it's kind of like I compare it to riding a motorcycle. Okay. If you're going to ride a motorcycle on the streets, you know that you're taking a risk. If you're going to hide behind any decoy during any hunting season, you're hiding. I don't care whether it's a big decoy that you're carrying around. I don't care whether it's, you know, whichever kind of decoy. If you're positioning yourself near a decoy during hunting season when somebody's hunting that animal, you're taking a risk. Well, you need to you need to assess your surroundings just like you would riding a motorcycle. If you're riding a motorcycle in an area with high traffic and, you know, that uh, has people running through stop signs or things like that all the time um, and you don't feel safe, you, you can either wear your helmet or decide not to ride. You know what I mean? That's that's a choice. If you're seeing hunters all over the place, um, if, if you're seeing guys stopping and glassing you from the road or something like that, we'll, we'll abandon the idea. You know what I mean? It all depends upon how much pressure there is in that particular area. I'm sure there's public hunting areas where I wouldn't dream of taking this thing. However, um, in most of the public hunting that I've done, and I've done a lot with these decoys, I've never run into a situation. Not one time. The odds of me getting shot with a bow behind one of these bow-mounted decoys, if if I'm really, really concerned about that happening, I better not be going out during rainstorms because I'm probably going to get struck by lightning. I mean, that's that that's the that's the odds of it. You know what I mean? Um, just yeah. use common sense. You agree, Matt? Yeah, hundred percent. Use common sense. You nailed it right there. I, I mean, obviously there's risk. There's risk in everything we do in life. But if you just use your brain a little bit, this is not going to be a risk. You know, one of the biggest things Danny already hit on, I feel like I'm just re- reiterating most of what he's been saying half the night. But um, if you see that the big thing to me is people slowing down on the road in a vehicle. If I see that, I, I drop the decoy and stand yes. up immediately. Um, no deer is worth getting shot. And yes, it's bow season and, and they shouldn't be shooting, but it's amazing what, what people will do. So that's my number one um, observation thing I'm looking for. The other thing is don't, you know, I wouldn't recommend going and using it in super duper heavy cover. For one, it's not going to be near as effective. Obviously, we've already kind of talked about that um but for two it it does give you the the chance of somebody shooting at movement and and or seeing part of a deer they think and so like i said just just use your brain use common sense and i i don't see it being an issue um neither do i thanks for the wet blanket evan (laughs) 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 And, and again you know i I've heard it numerous times. And again, you know, my, my best experiences with the Bellman and Decoy have been on public ground. Um, and, and it's just one of those things I, I hear a ton of, you know, you can't use that where I'm at and blah, 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 because of that, people traffic. That very whatever. well could be uh, in their unit and, and where they're hunting. It very well could be. If, if you feel like it's a situation where it would be dangerous, don't do it. Yep, Absolutely. But it can be very effective if you can in your yeah. area. So. Yep. 
so we are definitely bumping up against that one hour mark for you guys. Um, what I wanted to get real quick, Danny, we heard your story about, you know, your first experience behind this system. Matt, what is your most memorable decoying experience from the ground with a bow mounted system? Ooh, that's that one, one time that that buck but, came uh, up and tried to breed him. <laughs> <laughs> he liked it. Uh, <laughs> he, he just looks so delicious. Danny, I can't believe you're talking about your the dreams that you've been having on a podcast. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, hey, you joke about that. I have had a deer come up and chew on my sleeve once. That's probably far-fetched. Nobody's going to believe really? me, but uh, it's true. Awesome. But it wasn't even with a decoy. It was crazy. So um, I, I would have to say my most memorable one, it was probably one of the 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 early early times of success was – I, I think it was 2012, my brother came out to hunt, and, and this is mule deer, not whitetail, but uh, came out to hunt. He'd never killed a mule deer before and showed up Friday afternoon. I was like, well, let's go cruise around and, and see what we can find. You know, maybe we can find something to stock or, or decoy. And we find a nice four by four and <clears throat> end up uh, going out there and we, we lost him. It was in a, a cornfield that had, failed essentially it was really thin corn and 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 there was enough cover you just couldn't keep track of the the deer and so we just kind of held tight and that deer ended up sneaking in on us and we heard a stock break or my brother did and i was like you're crazy you didn't hear anything and i glance up and the deer is at 20 yards and thankfully we'd we'd had the decoy held up the whole time he walked into 20 yards my brother drills him and you know we're high-fiving we'd been there 30 minutes and and we got a deer on the ground so well we think we got a deer on the ground i should preface that so we're going back to the pickup we're getting the camera and and knives and everything and we see another big mature deer cross the road half a mile down into the same field that his deer is dead in and i'm glassing it and i'm like i gotta let's try it you know what the heck what do we got to lose and <clears throat> this buck isn't going to shatter any score records, but he was wide and heavy and just a cool buck. And, and the situation was, was worth trying. So we, we kind of headed back out in the same direction we'd been and we finally picked the buck up. And this is one of them where I literally ran. We ran at this buck because he was just, I mean, love struck is the best way to put it just cruising around back and forth back and forth and just oblivious like he could not see us and i had my brother holding the decoy and i'd done this enough at this point that uh i knew we, what we could do get away with and what we couldn't and quite frankly if if it didn't work i didn't care this was we're just going for broke and so i'm watching the deer and he's going behind the decoy and he'd start to slow and the deer wasn't even paying attention so i'd shove him and we just kept going. And by the time we stopped, we were within range of that buck. And he finally snapped his head up, looked at us, walked 15 yards, and walked by broadside, and I drilled him. So we shot two 170-inch mule deer in a matter of about 30 minutes to an hour. It was insane. And what, what so, yeah, that, that, that's definitely the, the best best hunt I, I for memory-wise. I, I, 
I remember that photo really well too. That was a pretty spectacular yeah. photo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that one too. So that's awesome. So kind of, kind of wind this up, Matt, where, where can people find more about you and kind of what you're doing? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, social media, of course, I'm, I've got a uh, account on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I use sparingly these days. It seems like with uh, politics and in the times of the world, it, it, it's, uh, it's almost easier to stay away. But I still have an account on there as well and, and can, can reach out. And then I am a contributor for Bowhunter Magazine as well. So if you don't do the social media media thing, which is becoming more common. I think people are are uh, getting a little bit tired of that platform. But uh, good old good old Bowhunter magazine's still out there, and and you can find some some stuff from me in there as well. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Greatly appreciate it. And, and again, it's always always a pleasure when I get to sit down and talk to you. And hopefully, this year we'll make something happen and at least get your buck on film because my hunts only last about 30 minutes at home anyway. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we can't. <laughs> what are you I, talking I just, about? I, I think I just cursed myself. Uh, I, I want to follow you and Ferris around because you guys are tracking very, very well. And the last couple of years for me, oh, I have not. Don't not let this, don't listen well, to this so. idiot. When Evan said he's <laughs> got more big bucks than EHD, he's not lying. I, you walk into his trophy room and you see some of the bucks that he's taken and it's ridiculous. So he's been on a little dry spell. Maybe that buck will breed you this year, Matt. <laughs> yeah, just go uh, look at the King of the books, Matt Palmquist. You got plenty. Darn right. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, thank you guys too for having me on. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, and enjoy talking to you both, and and especially when we're talking talking bow hunting, obviously. But but decoy and deer is about as good as it yeah. gets. So yep. thanks a bunch for that. Absolutely. So, and again, to end on that note, Danny, for guys that are interested in learning more about bow mounted decoys where can they get information where can they find your system um where you can find our stalker decoys at ultimatepredatorgear.com or consumer direct you won't find them in box stores you will find them at a few independent archery retailers small dealer base that's dealer uh, pro shop exclusive uh but for the most part to get a hold of one you got to come to our website ultimatepredatorgear.com and uh so yeah, and then as far as information on it, we've got a YouTube channel, um, and there's there's a lot out in magazines, and it's a hot topic right now. You've got some guys that are proving uh, not just not just us, but you know guys like uh, the guys from Whitetail Adrenaline, for instance. You know, very popular YouTube channel that are doing a bunch of decoying on the ground with a bunch sometimes homemade decoys and things like that, and they're they're doing phenomenal things and they're not the only ones there's there's several of them out there so there's there's a lot of information around but that's where you can find us awesome well again guys thank you so much for your time tonight and uh hopefully here in the next week or so i think we're all going to be in kansas at some point together so oh, wow. we'll have to get there and maybe do a little recap and and share some footage but uh definitely looking forward to seeing both you boys in the next week to 10 days good luck until then all right yeah. Good Thanks, luck, Evan. Boys. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a great night, guys.